0: pull those belts tight put on your helmet and grab a gear it's time for another high speed episode of race chaser media's motorsports madness powered by mycomputercareer.edu training for a better life let's throw the green and send it to the hosts in the studio
1: that would be where i start talking so this is me talking good evening race fans and welcome to another episode of motorsports madness and I don't know if I'm feeling a little extra crazy tonight or it's just been a crazy day. So uh, that this is the part where Tom, if, if Tom had the buzzer, he would already be hitting it for me because I'm not supposed to be any crazier than I already am. This is going to be a long show.
2: It's always a long show with you, but we appreciate <laughs> you being here anyway, and especially since you're playing producer and host tonight.
1: Yeah, I may need a little help after this one, but it's okay. We'll get through it. Anyway, we have a lot of things to talk about, and it's funny, because when we get into our first real segment, uh, I'm not going to start where I normally start, just because I I feel there's a little bit of humor to be had in the conversation since IndyCar content days, which is basically preseason, started... Uh, earlier today in Indianapolis, so we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, but there's a lot to get to because, well, NASCAR's finally not in Florida anymore. It's taken almost a month, Um, but NASCAR is finally elsewhere outside of the Sunshine State. We'll be gambling in Vegas, which means, uh, well, fantasy picks are not going to be my friend, I know, because I stink at gambling and doing anything well um but that being said it's am i the only one that thinks it's been a, a weirdly quiet news week noah aside from the fact that you know you you had to come home from miami so you're probably at, at least welcoming that somewhat
3: <laughs> yes that's exactly right no that's you're, you're exactly right Jacob. it has been a bit of a quiet news week but as you said sometimes that isn't the worst thing possible and and like you mentioned, coming home from Miami, it's been a nice little relaxer. I'm, I'm excited to get out of the Sunshine State for sure. Uh, it was nice while it lasted, but I'm excited to hit the road elsewhere.
1: Do you have any jet lag? That's the real question.
3: <laughs> no jet lag it's all it's all worn <laughs> off i know
1: all right so we'll fit in some conversation with noah about the sights and sounds from homestead miami coming up as well and look uh, again look ahead towards now uh, i guess the stretch run of the early regular season since we're getting into uh, really what'll determine uh, who some of the favorites are this season but before we do that we have to do a little bit of business so we'll quickly step aside and come back with more motorsports madness in a couple of minutes don't go anywhere
4: That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career.
1: Hi, this is Tyler Ingram, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, and Seth Eggert gathered around the roundtable. Seth is filling in for Peter Strada, who is off in parts unknown this evening, but should be back with us next Thursday night to uh, roll through another show again. So we're glad to have Seth in tonight. And I'm going to start, Tom, with this thought. You know it's been a slow news day in the IndyCar world when the two biggest topics of conversation at IndyCar Content Day were Connor Daly's mullet and Jimmy Johnson showing up late because he had food poisoning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're off to a great start for the IndyCar season, aren't we? Uh, you know, there it wasn't like there was no news or nothing to discuss i mean there's a lot going on really but yeah it did seem a bit um it's sort of a bit uh anticlimactic or whatever over there um connor daly's mullet is always a topic of conversation and you know unfortunately jimmy picked the wrong day to have food poisoning uh you know he must have uh had a bad hot dog or something
8: before no he, uh, it, it,
1: um it was I think he he said he went to Outback Steakhouse I think and uh, made the mistake of getting something other than the blooming onion. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Must have ordered something rare. He uh, was, was probably still mooing when he ate it. That might have been why.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I, 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 it was great, though. I mean, the the discussion between Connor Daly and Joseph Newgarden, because apparently those two are going a- going after the title of uh, Best Looking in the IndyCar Paddock, or at least so the story was told earlier today. Daly, wa- D- Daly walks in with the mullet, and according to Connor, he spent, uh, the morning at a hairdresser getting that thing ready so I, I i don't know how this turned into a much bigger story than it actually is but i just i i set listen to the clip li- earlier today and i couldn't help but laugh it was one of those moments where it's like oh okay then and, and and oh by the way connor daly's running a truck tomorrow night in las vegas so there's that too
2: We'll see. The mullet will fit right in, Noah, with uh, the Vegas crowd. I mean, he'll that'll go over big there. But I don't know about uh, all of the uh, IndyCar fans or whatever how that'll go. But uh, certainly it'll work in Vegas with the NASCAR truck crowd.
3: Oh yeah, I think uh, I think the mullet fits in with the NASCAR crowd quite well. Um, we see a number of drivers out there with with mullets or close to it, and, uh, and it's something that we're not or we're very used to over on the NASCAR side of things. And anytime you do get to, to see personality and, and some fun being had, especially in the times are getting over and getting through, uh, it's good. And and you know, to the outback point, Jacob, um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go further than. Uh, off the menu, then the then the Bloomin' Onion. So Jimmy must have had, I think I saw something that he had ordered, and it wasn't anything that I've ever heard of from Outback. you got to stick to the menu at Outback. <laughs> Got to stick to the regulars.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right. So now, before we get too far ahead of ourselves into the Vegas conversation, let's circle back, Noah, and talk about Homestead, Miami. Uh, you were down there, and uh, bless you for that, because uh, that is a 12-hour trip. I've done a few times, and uh, I-, I needed a break. Uh, otherwise, I might have attempted this one. So, uh, what were your biggest takeaways from the weekend in Miami? Obviously, it was different for everybody because we're going to homestead in february that that's that's new but what what were your biggest takeaways from the weekend last weekend
3: well first i want to say this is my this was my first trip down to homestead um for a race weekend to cover and and let me just say that TV does not do that track. I know that it was a great showing on TV as well, but it can't do it justice with just how much is going on there. I mean, I'd never really know. known, we know Homestead has a lot of lines, we know that those guys get four and sometimes even five wide, but the amount of it throughout the field all night long was insane on both nights. I mean, those guys were, were giving it all they had. I was more excited and on the edge of my seat than I've ever been watching a Homestead Miami race. And I think it's because I could see everything. So, um, yes, the, the trek down there was no fun. The trek back was no fun. It's a, it's a long way down. But I'll tell you what, the racing that I saw this weekend made it so much wor- more worth it, Jacob. And, uh, and I will say this, too. There's not a bad place in the house at Homestead Miami Speedway. And I've learned that, and I'll, and I'll be excited to go back soon.
1: Oh, no, there's there's not a bad place in the house. I, I, I was reminded just of how much I already miss it not being the championship race, Tom, by how good the quality of racing was. And, yeah, okay, maybe at times the cup race was a little bit lackluster on Sunday afternoon. But all in all, I mean, I, I will say it until I'm blue in the face and, and fall over sideways, best mile and a half track on the NASCAR schedule and it's not even close. Oh, I don't
2: disagree with any of that and and I you know I think we actually got to see on Saturday and Sunday the product of it being so early in the schedule too because obviously everybody's still fresh. You know, we haven't gotten far into the season. The, I think the racing was really aggressive. Um, you know, and everybody was, uh, everybody was in a, in a, in a really high spirit. I think over the weekend, it was kind of strange. It it almost seemed like a championship vibe and we were only in what race three. So, um, no, I enjoyed both races a lot. And the only reason uh, the cup race was lackluster was because William Byron and his new crew chief just stomped all over the field. I mean, that was. That was really incredible to watch, actually. And and I feel like we saw a pairing, Seth, that uh could very well win three or four races this year if they keep performing like that. And and uh that's a that's a solid championship potential right there.
9: Yeah, I feel like uh both William Byron and Rudy Fugel they took the book that they had started with in the truck series and just flipped to chapter two for the cup series. I mean, it it seems like they didn't miss a beat and uh, William, at one point, I think had like a nine-second lead or something like that, and then uh, he just uh, basically cruised uh, to the, the checkered flag. I think Redick maybe would have caught him if there was another 10 to 15 laps, but you can't live in a world of it's uh, ifs and buts.
1: No, Seth, I- I'll correct you there. It was Noah Gregson that had a nine-second lead on Saturday. And, well, we know how that ended, and we'll get to that a little later. Um, Quick around the table here with about two minutes left in this segment. Are we surprised, yes or no, gentlemen, that William Byron and Rudy Fugel found this success this quickly? Tom?
2: Um. Yes, actually, I am. I mean, and that's not disrespectful toward Rudy Fugel. He's an amazing crew chief, and I think we all knew that coming in. But still, this is the Cup Series, and this is William Byron, who has had a little bit of success, but he hasn't maybe had as much success on Noah as you might might have thought he might. And uh, for them to come out and not just win a race, but dominate a race at the first mile and a half of the year, Noah, I feel like... um, that's a big, bold statement from those two. And Rudy Fugel, I think, uh, has a handle on this Cup stuff already.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to put it into words. Yes, I am surprised in a way because of the things you've mentioned there on, on where William was. And so, you know, Rudy credited Chad for creating that whole team. He was the only person that was changed in that team. But sometimes it is that just extra layer of charisma and dynamic that you have with your crew chief. Um, that really pushes you over the edge. And and William said, certainly, Seth, that that was something that was huge for him all of Sunday. And the conversation back and forth on the radio was just something if you listen to it.
9: Yeah, and like I said, it's almost like they just went to the next chapter in the book that they have. Uh, The two of them gelled almost like they haven't been apart since the truck series. I almost wonder what it could have been or would have been had Rudy left Kyle Busch uh, Motorsports sooner with William and where they would be today if that had happened.
1: It's interesting to think about, but I'll say this. I was not surprised at all that they found success this quickly because of this as we get set to go to break. And it's because the Cup Series mile-and-a-half package right now is very much like the aerodynamics in the truck series and it behaves very similar that was something that rudy fugle noted and i think it's very important to keep in mind as we go deeper into the season we're going to step aside take a break and when we return we'll have even more motorsports madness right here on race chaser radio so stick around
4: you own a performance car and you know how to drive but you want to learn real performance driving
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Seth Eggert huddled around the round table tonight talking motorsports, and right now talking NASCAR Cup Series action from Homestead, Miami Speedway, where William Byron and Rudy Fugel were undoubtedly the stars of the show Sunday evening. However, Tom, Tyler Reddick nearly, again, (laughs) found a way to win at Homestead, Miami. There there are a few, I feel like, that can do what Tyler Reddick does at Homestead. It's a very unique um, style that you have to really make speed at that racetrack. Reddick's one of the best. Larson's another one who's really good at it, and you just get the sense that eventually... He's going to break through, unfortunately, just uh, as they said on the broadcast, too little, too late once he really got rolling at the end. But I feel like that eight team is uh, has maybe started to find a little something. Does the, do they look different to you coming out this season than maybe they have in the past, or do you think it was just a homestead thing?
2: No, I think they definitely look different, and I really think all of RCR looks different. You didn't so much see it in Austin Dillon's results, but um, I feel like he definitely ran better as well. Um, They've been slowly. I think what's going to help is Chevy is kind of working a little more closely from team to team now, and that combined motor program too, I think is going to make a difference. But uh, Reddick just loves Homestead and always has. And so wasn't really a surprise to see him up there, or Kyle Larson up there, for that matter. But um, surely, I think the eight team has taken a step forward. And um, reddick by the way, uh, driving the the twenty three for our Motorsports this weekend at Vegas. They have purchased that number. Uh, and we'll run it for the rest of the year. Redick in the car this weekend, so we'll be seeing more. I think of Tyler up near the front of the field in the Xfinity Series uh, on Saturday at Vegas. But yeah, that was a great run for for uh, Tyler in the 18 for sure.
1: Noah, Seth, I'll ask you to uh, kind of the uh, the same vein that Tom just started. Is this a team that can make a playoff run, or is it too early to tell, Noah?
3: You know, it's it is a bit too early to tell, but we have seen great things coming from the eight team. And and, and with all the reasons that Tom just mentioned there on Chevy and, and their partnership this year, it, it seems they're really making sure that uh, everybody's getting a piece of the pie. And I think that's really going to help um, Chevy well. Uh, but a strong run, run early never hurts a team's momentum. That's for sure. Tyler came off of a couple rough weeks getting back to Homestead, a place where he knows he has success, he has that confidence, I'm sure really helped him. And going forward, I think it'll continue to help him. And and now as we look at his Xfinity run, Seth, that can only help him as well. I mean, more track time, more experience in a, in a time of no practicing and, and things like that around the racetrack. I mean, that's certainly a big benefit to him.
9: Yeah, one thing a disqualification definitely can't take away from him is the track time that he had. Uh, in the Xfinity race, his car was disqualified for uh, failing uh, post-race heights. That being said, though, I think it is a little too early to tell. Probably after, maybe not this weekend in Vegas, but after Phoenix and after Atlanta. Be- definitely before the Bristol Dirt Race. I think that is around when we'll start seeing uh, who is where. Uh, the Bristol Dirt Race is going to be a beast all on its own, in which they announced a format for that uh Earlier this week, but, uh, it should definitely be interesting to see who is where and who has to play catch up.
1: I'll buy that. I think, you know, I, it's going to be very, there's a few that I know that already have to play catch up. And, and it's funny, Seth, that you mentioned that because it kind of leads right into the next point that I was going to get at, that you had drivers like William Byron and Tyler Reddick who ran really well over the weekend and kind of put themselves in a better position than what they were in before. But then you had a driver, Tom, like Matt Benedetto, who now has had three Disastrous runs to open the season, and that 21 team, ooh, they are going to need some serious, serious help. Yeah, we actually had uh, Matt on our inside. Past
2: show on Monday, the inside pass celebrated its 200th episode. You can catch that by searching race chaser radio on any podcast platform. If you'd like to listen to that, Matt was a great guest as always. And um, you're right. Uh, I mean, he was very candid about the fact that uh, he feels like, you know, they need to turn things around and he feels like this is a place where they can do it. Um, you know, it isn't that he, they haven't had any speed, you know, they, they had speed at Daytona in the 500, obviously got taken out. They, um, You know, they, he felt like they had maybe, you know, fifth uh, to 10th place speed last week, not necessarily winning speed. But um, Seth, I think that uh, this is a race, uh, as much success as Matt's had at Vegas in the past, this is a race where it would be really critical for them to come out of this at least with a top 10 or 15 finishing start to get their program back on track here for 21.
9: I agree. And for the this season, it's been a little bit of a matter of uh, bad luck or no luck uh, Daytona. He got caught up in the big one uh, Daytona road course. He had the tire go down, which pretty much effectively ended his day. Right. And then at Homestead, uh, you had Chastain throw that massive block on him, which didn't make sense at the time, but if you think about it, Blaney wrecked uh, Chastain at the road course in the Menards car. The car that DeBenedetto was running last weekend was the Menards car, while Blaney was in a different paint scheme. So I wonder if there was a little mistaken identity there. But it was after that block and the contact that DeBenedetto had with Chastain that his car went out to lunch so to speak uh, he went from running maybe just outside the top 15 to barely being able to be in the top 25 top 30 i don't know if that had anything to do with it but it definitely made for an interesting uh, chain of events so what do you think noah
3: yeah look you know as jacob said we we do start to worry about matt benedetto and the 21 team with three bad uh bad runs in a row you start digging a hole and you don't want to do that we do have a lot of season to go before we get to that postseason but we do know this matt de benedetto under pressure has always somehow provided and shown up to the challenge or really come close to it at least so he's gonna he's gonna figure out how to put his best foot forward and that team's gonna figure themselves out i think too jacob because we've seen in the past like i said um, we know Matt's in a in a year this year where he knows he won't have that seat next season. So um, Matt's going to show up when he needs to. And I think that's what's the best thing, keeping that 21 team going forward right now.
1: I agree, uh, and, and I think they will bounce back. They've just had a lot of uh, bad luck and circumstances play against them here during the first part of the season that, as Tom kind of referenced, maybe makes that uh, that hole in points look worse than, than it truly is, uh, given everything that they've had to, uh, you know, had kind of work against them. Um, that being said, I am going to move now to the point that I call the biggest surprise of the season to date And that is one of two drivers that has opened the season with three top 10 finishes. Seth, does Michael McDowell get the gold star so far this year, or does Michael McDowell get the gold star for the year so far? I mean, what this 34 team has done is incredible. And I was blown away when I watched him not only drive up into the top 10, but at one point drive around Kevin Harvick and drive away sixth place for that team on a mile-and-a-half track, to me, is a statement that this is a team that can contend in the playoffs. Look out.
9: Yeah, and McDowell even said post-race that he and the team surprised themselves. It was a interesting race, for, and I'm not trying to keep using that word, but I don't know how else to, to describe it. Uh, McDowell in Front Row Motorsports at least for McDowell, this is the first time he's ever had two, let alone three, top 10s in a row. And for Front Row Motorsports, yeah, they've had a couple of top 10s in a row here and there with different drivers, but never with the same driver, at least not this many in a row. So for McDowell, for Blick and Surfer to be clicking that well is fairly uh, decisive, at least this early in the season. And Tom, I'm sure you have
2: more to say about that. Well, I mean, I just I think that when you look at Ford in general, I mean, we we haven't talked much about Kevin Harvick, but it hasn't been because he hasn't done well. You know, I think the Ford teams in general, for the most part, obviously, you've got a couple of uh, drivers. Anthony Alfredo's new, so he's still kind of learning the ropes. But, um, you know, you look at the Roush cars last week. I know that uh, obviously during the day. Uh, Busher was much better than he was after dark, but you look at the Roush cars' performance. You look at um, McDowell's performance all year long. You you know you've the the Stewart Haas cars have not been you know way off or anything. I mean, I think Ford, for the most part, Jacob um, has you know has started pretty well, and and I think that the 38 team is a team. uh, Sorry, 34 team of McDowell is a team to watch because. Now that they're on this this run and we've got more road courses this year than ever in the Cup Series, and that is Michael McDowell's bread and butter. So um I think you've probably got about five or six more races on the schedule, at least, that McDowell can easily top ten between the super speedways and the road courses. But then you factor in if if what we're seeing here is a trend on the mile and a halves for them. Um, that team can be a real interesting team to watch all season because you know they're only going to get
1: better. Absolutely right. I made the point earlier this week that when you consider the first round of the playoffs may be the one that they have to put the most focus into, that if they, if they can get through round one and survive to make it into the round of 12, then you've got Talladega and the Charlotte Roval in that second round. And that, to me, makes McDowell a wild card. More Motorsports Madness coming up in a couple of minutes. Stick with us.
7: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council.
3: Hi, this is Ross
1: Chastain. You're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, which is Training for a Better Life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Seth Eggert, uh, all talking racing this evening, and Tom, I guess while we have a couple of minutes here, uh, we, we can make mention of, of our friends at MyComputerCareer.edu, and and I almost stumbled and gave them a reason to reboot me again, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to turn the reins of this part back over to the expert because I got through it last week, but I am not going to pretend to sit here and say that I did it better than you can because, well, you kind of have this part committed to memory.
2: Well, it's not even committing it to memory. I just uh,
1: enjoy the work that
2: my computer career does and the impact they have on people's lives and changing their careers. Um, and that's really what this is all about. If you're thinking about making a change to your career, or if you're looking for a first career, uh, first job, first career, my computer career might just be your answer. IT is one of the fastest growing professions still in the U S over 250,000 jobs still, available, way more demand for qualified IT specialists uh, than supply of those people. So uh, my computer career is not rocket science. You don't have to be a math or science nerd or a computer nerd. Just go to mycomputercareer.edu, take the free career evaluation. If you feel like this might be a direction you want to go in, here's what I can tell you. My Computer Career will work with you every step of the way. They have financial aid available if you are eligible, including the GI Bill. Your training is one to two days a week online. That's it. In as little as four to six months, you may be ready to begin your new life and new career and my Computer Career will work with hundreds of employers to get you placed and get you off and running. So it is training for a better life. IT is a great career to have, lots of opportunities, uh, and lots of different fields and specializations within IT. IT is not just one thing, it's a number of things. And so a great opportunity for you. The folks at My Computer Career do a great job And they are more like mentors than just simply trainers. So they care about your future and they want you to be successful. MyComputerCareer.edu is the website. Check them out. It is training for a better life.
1: That it is. And we appreciate their contributions to this program. And we continue this program by going to Noah Lewis, who... Uh, was at Homestead Miami Speedway, if you didn't catch that off the uh, beginning of the show. And Noah, I am not going to ask you about Michael McDowell, as Tom and Seth were talking in the last segment. I am going to ask you about the other Ford driver that kind of stuck out like a sore thumb for a while in that race, but with really good reason. What did you make of Chris Busher on Sunday? Because when that 17 was good, it was really good. But when the sun went down... It went really evil really quickly. Yeah, how about
3: the run for Chris Busher to start, though? I mean, such a competitive car. At the beginning, we saw a number of guys that were pretty competitive up there. I think Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was up there. for a chunk of the first portion, or until the competition caution, at least, of that race, making moves, and then he fell back himself. But uh, Busher hung around for a little while, won that first stage in dominating fashion, and it uh, was really putting it to those guys. I thought we were going to see Busher all night long with how fast that car seemed to me. But you're right, Jacob. All of a sudden, it, it the sun went down and the 17 went back. And it obviously showed that that car was more set up for a day setup type of feel. And, and maybe Chris wasn't liking how he felt after the sun went down. But still, nevertheless, for a team like that that we don't usually see up front, we haven't seen Roush dominating races or beginning of races or any type of a thing like that in, in such a long time and uh and so to see that resurgence of ford and of uh, of rush finway racing and even ryan newman sticking around and, and running quietly in the top 10 most of the day finishing there as well um good things for rush finway racing maybe not to finish the 17 team one at jacob but certainly something that they can't hang their heads over
1: No. Fun fact, by the way, is that they were attempting to win the first non-Super Speedway race for... RFR since Carl Edwards at Sonoma in 2014. So uh, there, there's something to chew on and think about as we go forward. Tom, when you were watching what Chris Busher was doing on Sunday, I mean, did you get any sort of a sense that we might be able to see some more of this from him and from Ryan Newman going forward? I know they, they made the move during the offseason of Jimmy Fennig to take him from just the super speedway portion of the program to overseeing a little bit of everything, and I have to wonder if that move maybe isn't paying some dividends here.
2: Yeah, I, actually, I believe the answer to the question is yes. I think we are going to see more of this, uh, just like I think we're seeing more from front row. And remember, those two teams have a technical uh, partnership, and I don't think it's coincidence that as we see uh, Roush elevate, we're seeing front row elevate the same way. Uh, and I think that condensing the, what Roush did was basically be, condense their their staff a little bit. And, um, you know, putting Jimmy over the the Speedway program, I think, was a smart move. He's been around a long time. Um, you know, again, it's been a long road for Roush Fenway. Um, I feel like they've been – they they went way down <laughs> – and they've been sort of climbing back up for the last couple of years and making decent progress. And I think this may be the year when you see them uh, kind of creep back up into the conversation of racing for wins. And I think Sunday was a good indication, Jacob, that uh, uh, we're going to see that maybe sooner rather than later. Uh, I don't know what happened once the sun went down to the 17 car, but uh, if they can figure out why that car went away uh like it did later in the race and kind of you know move beyond that um then i would think a a a race like the coke 600 for example could be a real interesting situation for them um, because again it goes from light to dark and you got to be able to to keep up and have a car that that keeps up with uh the changes in track temperature and such and um So, yeah, I I think Roush Fenway has a lot of reason to be optimistic. And that's why I say I think the Fords really, for the most part, um, have come out to play this year. And some of the teams in that camp that have struggled seem to be picking up. So I think that's a good sign that we're going to see much more consistency out of Ford as a whole group as the season progresses, Jacob.
1: Okay, so now I want to I go around the table and let all three of you kind of um, have some, some fun with a question here. We'll go Tom, and then Noah, and then Seth uh, on this one, but we have now had three different winners, and I would argue three relatively, you know, unexpected winners in the first three races of the season between Michael McDowell, Christopher Bell, and now William Byron, who is one of those, I think, that we might have put Byron in the playoffs, but maybe not with a win. But since we've had three drivers win early that weren't in that initial conversation, my question is this Do we get to 16 unique winners in the regular season? And regardless of the yes or no, why, Tom? Oh, boy. Uh,
2: I don't know that you get 16 unique winners. I. I think that may be pushing it but when you look at some of the drivers that you would say are close for example we all believe I think that Kyle Larson's going to get a win um and he's got several opportunities to do so and he's been close even you know in this early part of the season so you look at Larson you look at Alex Bowman you, you look at uh some of the guys that on the road courses could sneak a win in that that you wouldn't necessarily put um in the win win column for an oval track still. Um, I mean, I, I I don't think we're going to see 16 unique winners, um, Noah, but I certainly think that uh, we might see, you know, 10 to 12 unique winners at the rate this is going. I do not think, Noah... That you're going to see a season like we saw last year, where Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick just trade wins every week and somebody else gets the occasional spotlight. I think this is going to be a crazy competitive year. And so, like I said, I could see 10 to 12 at least new winners for the playoffs. And that would be really, that would make things really interesting in round one.
3: Oh, yeah, most certainly. You know, we have teams that have come in this season, like the 23 for Bubba Wallace, like the 99 for Daniel Suarez, um, who are aligning with these powerhouse or, you know, RCR hasn't been at the top of their game in the most recent years, but still have had fast race cars when you throw in the element of road courses and you throw in the element of super speedways. Uh, we have four of those, super speedways, and now we have the new road courses, which obviously we don't know what to expect for those. And then we have Nashville. A new track. So with the addition of that and then the runs that we've already seen, um, I think it's, you know, to play devil's advocate here, I think it is quite possible that we get to 16 new winners this season. We've already had three in a row that we didn't expect coming in. But, yes, Tom, I agree with you. I think that uh, it won't be the same. Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin battle up front the entire season. I think that a lot of teams have caught up, and I think that NASCAR over the offseason off season has implemented some new rules that have kind of narrowed the gap maybe. Um, and, and, Seth, that's, that's some exciting stuff. We want to see close racing. We want to see new guys up front. So far, the best season ever has shown to be that.
9: And honestly, for me, I, I think we'll get close to 16. I don't know if we'll get to exactly 16 or not, maybe 14 or 15. That That's my hunch right now, especially when you take into account the road courses, which also means there's more possibility of racing in the rain on a road course because of how many there are. Bristol dirt, Nashville, and the super speedways. You have so many different variables this year that we don't usually have, which could be, or could mean new winners. And I'll also throw this one out there. If we get 16, unique winners, and somehow the regular season points leader does not win a race and ends up winning the regular season championship, there could be a possibility in which we see one winner not make the playoffs. And Tom, I think you might have a thought on what I just said.
2: Well, I, <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I just scribbling here when you, it's, it, it becomes a different question when you start looking at, I mean, all right, you've had three different winners so far this season. You still got three Gibbs cars that haven't won. So there's six if they each win once and you got Bowman seven, Larson would be eight, Elliot nine, Harvick, 10, Briscoe, maybe a road course for eleven, Kurt Bush twelve. You know, you've got Newman Busher. Um, you know, that's it it is a possibility that we could get close to sixteen. And yeah, Jacob, that would be pretty incredible if we got to a point where we actually had enough winners that were we're looking at one winner not making the playoffs. That'd be a crazy scenario that I don't think anyone could have ever imagined. But I mean, who knows? In a year like this could be um I just suspect this is going to be a really strange year with the Road Courses and the Dirt Show.
1: I think the development freeze is another thing that nobody's really talking about. And we can mention that um, a little deeper in the show that has really made a difference in the parity in this field because these teams haven't gotten an opportunity to improve parts and pieces on their race cars. They've been basically stuck where they ended the season last year, and you're not going to be allowed the chance to do many changes. You just have to really work with what you've got. And as Michael McDowell said you know, uh, earlier this week, that the Cup Series inspectors have also um, cracked down on some of the shenanigans, was his word, that uh, some of the top teams were using to gain a competitive advantage that now he feels has brought the uh, the elite teams back towards a front row motorsports a little bit. So uh, a lot of different factors really to, uh, to look at and keep our eyes on as we go into this season. But my thought real quickly is that there's a realistic shot that we get to 16. I don't think the regular season champ will go winless, though. So there's that. We're going to step aside and we'll continue with Motorsports Madness right after this. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds.
0: Bike ride, go fish, walk in the
1: park, phone call,
0: milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight
4: Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career.
6: You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette.
3: Hey, this is Reed Wilson, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Yeehaw.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Seth Eggert, Noah Lewis still with you as we approach the halfway point of this show, and... Uh, it's been a lot of fun so far, I will say that. I'll ask another discussion question, and we'll quickly go around the table here. I'll start with Seth on this one. Uh, as you look down the field, who, going to Las Vegas, most needs to have a really good run on Sunday afternoon in the Cup Series?
9: Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, out of everyone, I'd have to go with Matthew Bendetto. I know we talked about him earlier. But that team usually runs so much better than they have this year. Granted, a lot of it has been out of their control. Bad luck, whether uh running over debris and having a tire go down or just getting caught up in a wreck or or some sort of contact. Uh D is someone I'm looking at.
1: Noah
3: yeah i think i'm gonna go with uh with kyle bush you know we saw him break out and win the clash but ever since then it's been kind of lackluster over on the 18 team they snuck into the top 10 late to score that finish on sunday um but again you know new team completely new team surrounding kyle bush and and we've heard some not happy moments already uh, other than of course that clash win where we all thought maybe things were going to start off on the right foot um but i think that For us to put Kyle in the bracket that we usually put him, even after last season's uh, disappointing year, uh, they need to find some more speed and success this upcoming weekend,
1: Tom. I'll go real quick and make my point that uh, I look at a driver who really hasn't made a lot of noise yet this season, but I think needs to make some noise. My vote is on Alex Bowman uh, needing to get a win. I think he needs to kind of separate himself out of the... uh, the the mess, if you will, Tom, and uh, hope that he can lock his place in. Because otherwise, if he doesn't win, he's one of the ones I'm nervous about.
2: Well, I would agree with that. Um, The one I was thinking of, though, is actually Ross Chastain. I know it's early in his career with a 42, but, you know, I think he needs to go out and be able to uh, establish himself as a guy who can run up front you know Kurt Bush's car has been fast that 42 team really needs to get it together I think and come out with a good they don't have to finish in the top five just a good strong top 10 run for them would be a great uh, way to kick the the, uh, the season into higher gear
1: back with more motorsports madness in a couple of minutes
2: how
0: to be a great dad in 15 seconds
6: It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com.
10: He wanted to be known for doing his best. right. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing home. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at Value.com. When Marlon Shirley was five years old, he was in an accident and lost his foot. But he didn't lose his
7: heart.
3: Hi, I'm Cody Connor, and you're listening to Race Chaser
1: Radio. Now back to the show. I can always get behind Blues Hour kicking off the second half of our show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Seth Eggert with you. Peter Strada is... uh, off with other obligations, but he will be back next Thursday and we'll continue onward and upward. If you're just joining us, well, where have you been for the first half of our show? We've been having a lot of fun here, and uh, if you're still with us, we're glad you've hung in there because we've still got a lot more conversation left to go on this show. We'll get to the Xfinity series and the truck series coming up in this hour, and I think the Xfinity series is well worth the conversation, specifically for the debate that Uh, has surrounded Noah Gregson all week long. And, uh, well, if you've been living under a rock, uh, you, you missed a lot because Noah, for the third race in a row at Homestead Miami in the Xfinity Series, had it all but one until he didn't, and uh, it was absolutely circumstances out of his control, but the the conversation surrounding the industry this week has uh, really been about how a lot of people think he could have handled it better, and he had a media conference earlier today where he... More or less stuck to his guns, so we'll we'll talk about that coming up in this hour of the show. Uh, Seth kind of nudged it in our uh, in our behind the scenes chat as we kicked it off, but we'll also talk about in this half of the show the NASCAR Camping World Camping World Truck Series. <laughs> and there's a reason I said it twice because, well. Marcus Limonis. And uh, I'm just going to kind of chuckle at that and get into my debate on why I'm not sold on this being the greatest thing for the truck series in a little while. Um, I'm sure there will be some disagreement there, but uh, there's that. We can uh, circle back around to the IndyCar series as they're getting a little bit closer to the start of their season. Uh, we, we were jokingly talking about them coming off the top of the show, but I do think there are some storylines that we can hit on uh, in that realm as well, including willpower being in a gasp. Contract, year, two words that no racer wants to talk about until, well, it's upon them. So, uh... Uh, If you're just joining us, like I said, we got a lot of discussion to get to, and it's going to be a lot more fun here in the second half of the show. So sit back, relax, and uh, stick around, because Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, continues right after this.
7: What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
10: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: Hi, I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Noah Lewis, Seth Eggert, Tom Baker still chatting motorsports. And in this segment, we will chat about Noah Gregson in the Xfinity Series and the race that the nine car should have won until he didn't. And Tom, I'll, I'll preface it like this. Noah with a nine and change second lead coming to two laps to go comes up on David Starr, who's running 12th, having a great night in Carl Long's 13 car. David tries to give him the outside lane, because that's where Noah's been running, except David doesn't know that he has a right front tire that's coming apart, until the car shoots up the racetrack and into the wall, and Noah has nowhere to go but right into the back of David Starr, and thus ends Noah's chance at a victory. Myatt Snyder goes on to win the race, but... Everybody has been talking about Noah for the past five days. And quite frankly, I get the sense, especially after hearing him talk earlier today on the NASCAR media teleconference, that that was exactly what Noah wanted from the time that he uh, used a less than family-friendly word on, uh, on FS1 last Saturday to his conference earlier today where he more or less took an attitude of it is what it is, and I'm not going to change for anybody. And I, I, I really don't know how much I like this take, because quite frankly, my opinion of the whole thing to begin with was that Noah had been preached to back off and not have to be running as hard as he was for the latter stages of that race. And if he had just listened to his crew chief, he probably wouldn't have even been in that position to begin with.
2: Well, there is that um I think you have to look at this in kind of a big picture chronological order so you you know Noah's got a considerable lead at that point, as you say he he had you know was being asked to back off. I think he did a little bit, not nearly as much as they would have liked him to um but when you look at what happened with david Starr, noah's argument is that even if david if it's true he blew a tire noah indicated that he felt like david should have known prior to the tire actually blowing that it was getting close he should have felt it in the car um i don't drive nascar xfinity series cars so i'm not going to get into the middle of that debate but something tells me that david with all the years of experience that he had probably, you know, would, would have known where, you know, if, if he could feel something certainly would have made a a better decision. Um, but whatever that is, it is the fact is David was trying to give him room and then the tire blew out. It carried the car up into the wall at exactly the wrong time for Noah, who was coming up the closure rate at that, 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 in that situation's very quick so no time to react really um and then i think the biggest problem i have with this again is noah's attitude after the race um you don't need to use bad language at this point we're all adults if you're going to be a professional you just need to not do that on television noah has got to make up his mind that as much as he wants to just be noah uh he needs to become more professional and be aware of his situation you can be mad and you can make your point without using that kind of language um it doesn't solve anything and it just you know <laughs> makes you look bad and then to kind of stick to this sort of you know high and mighty attitude that he took with it um i don't know that's uh it's disappointing noah uh to me to say Louise, that, um, you know, you've got a driver, Noah Gregson, who's got all of the talent in the world to be a Cup Series champion. Um, and, and you don't want to take all of the, um, you know, the fight out of the dog. But he, I think the dog just needs to make some better choices and decisions about how he speaks and how he acts. You know, behavior counts for things. And, you know, he's going to need a cup ride at some point and you know people are going to look at how he handles adversity Noah, more than how he handles wins because it's easy to win well it's not so easy to lose well and i think this is still an area where junior really needs to work with him on because i was disappointed um you know i i just think he could have made some better choices uh, along the way this week
3: yeah you're absolutely right and um you know noah I think that what we saw on on Saturday night was a product of mis, misunderstanding at first, but maybe not because Noah's right. not backed down from that, but misunderstanding at first in some regard, and then obviously a load of frustration um, from, from earlier races that have gone similarly at Homestead-Miami Speedway where something's happened, and Noah was the dominant car and didn't end up, Reaching the finish line, and this time he was oh so close with a huge gap. Um, to J- Jacob, to your uh, to your point earlier, he had been backing it off a bit. You know, he uh, he wasn't going as fast. He, he showed some um, some sort of data that suggested um, that he he was backing off. And and according to his conference today, this has been something that Noah has experienced with David before. According to him, um, he said that he's experienced David and and not giving as much room as he could and so maybe that frustration is carrying over but um you said it correctly um you know i I saw a lot of people on twitter say you tell a driver they need more personality and then when he gives you your personality he uh you, you tell him it's too much well what noah gregson he has the personality he certainly does but he does like Tom said need to hone that in into a more professional level. We want to see Noah Gregson's personality. When he went out to Bristol and and cracked open a, a can with the fans through the stands and and socially distanced with them on the front straightaway after that race, it was great. It was he was Mr. Fan Favorite. Um, but he has to hone yes. in he has to hone in that pro- professional skill. Um, where when he is frustrated, he doesn't show it as harshly. So, Seth, I don't know how you feel on it, but uh, but I, I that's what I think.
9: Well, there was a little misinformation, which on for Noah Gregson, that is, uh, part of it came from his spotter who told him that David was lapped down. However, David was on the lead lap in 12th, the last car on the lead lap at the time. So, for one, I can see how that frustrated Noah. Then when... Uh, he was told that David was on the lead lap. He said David should have known that the tire was going down. Well, the tire courted, and not only has Carl Long and his team said it, but Tommy Joe Martin's team and Brandon Brown's team, which were both on the other side of the 13's pit, were even saying that the tire was courted, and the way it was courted, it happened quickly. There was no way for David to know it. Noah Gregson then said that he caught a uh, tire in the first run, which, to my knowledge, was not documented or covered or talked about anywhere until Gregson mentioned it. Although, I will put an interesting dynamic because uh, both of you had talked about uh, Gregson wanting to run cup races. If he wants to run for Beard Motorsports at Talladega, he actually needs help from Carl Long because both the 66 and 13 are ahead of the 62 and other points.
1: Well, there, there's the interesting dynamic of the week, isn't it? Uh, and, and real quickly, my, my thoughts here are ba- pretty simple when you get down to, to the base of it. Noah, you had a nine-second lead. Why are you running 120% an inch off the wall? coming to two laps to go when you can give up a little bit of time and still more than easily win the race and and I wasn't the only one to make that point on social media after the race and, and Noah I know I know the discussion has been um, has been that he wasn't running a hundred percent but even at that I mean you you can give up more and and still be okay with the kind of lead he had.
3: Yeah, that's right. I mean, anytime that you have that commanding of a lead, you certainly should give up, um, as much as possible. And maybe that was where Noah was most comfortable running. Maybe that's why he stayed up near that wall and and just kept going. And when, once you get in that groove, you want to stay in that groove, of uh, or let me keep going. And he only had a few laps left to do so. So it's one of those situations where, uh, you know, it it could go either way and and I'm sure obviously it didn't go the way Noah wanted it to Jacob. But, um, I don't know. We'll see how he handles
1: it. We will. Uh, We'll talk the significance of Myatt Snyder stealing the victory coming up in the next segment. More Madness after this.
7: Here's an important message from Rad and this station.
8: Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you.
4: Motorsport Sales Professionals.
6: You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council.
4: You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving.
1: A little birdie told me earlier today that Jesse Love in a road course car equals really fast, really quickly, by the way. He is out at Sonoma this weekend doing the sports car thing uh, with the help of uh, Toyota. So uh, that's been a little bit of fun to kind of keep tabs up. On, and I will be interested to see how the rest of the weekend goes for both he and for Sammy Smith. But as it is, welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCrew.edu. Jacob Seelman, Noah Lewis, Seth Egert, Tom Baker still with you. And before we get into the Camping World Truck Series, I want to make the point that Sauce Boy is finally a NASCAR Xfinity Series winner, that being Myatt Snyder and uh, the nickname he was affectionately given uh, in his ARCA days for his Louisiana Hot Sauce. Sponsorship, and I will ask the guy who was there first how big this is Noah Lewis Uh, Myatt's been waiting for a moment like this for a while And the enthusiasm of that celebration was everything we all hoped it would be When he took the victory Uh, This was a really, really, really cool moment for a kid That I know Tom and I in particular have watched a long time And really deserved what he ended up with
3: Oh yeah, the original Sauce Guy, right? The other we know as Fast Pasta Anthony Alfredo in the Cup series, but so cool for Myad and the opportunity opportunity that he ended up getting where he uh he messed up the first attempt and then the second attempt he was all on it. You don't get those opportunities much, Tom, but when Myad got it, he capitalized on that attempt and uh and man, what a cool celebration. What a cool moment for myatt well-deserved welcoming. He was making strides in this series, doing what he can. And now he's a victory lane driver.
2: Well, and more importantly, he's in the playoffs and that makes a difference because remember RCR is capable of winning championships and we've seen it uh, more than once in this series. And the fact that now myatt can drive the rest of the season, not worrying about having to win to get in, he's already won. He's already in. Once again now, it gives them a whole year, whole rest of the regular season to just run for more wins, and I think that's going to play into a multi-win season for that two-team and Seth almost a certain uh, at least deep run into the playoffs, if not Final Four, uh, which I think uh, is more than a, a distinct possibility for this group.
9: And something that I don't think many people have thought of, but especially now that he has a win and he has more that he can actually go and try to do an experiment with, but might, might be a player on the road courses and be able to give Cindric and Almondinger a challenge uh, with the amount of experience that he was able to get in the NASCAR Euro Series a few years ago. Might, might actually be a sleeper when it comes to the road courses, and not to mention the super speedways. Uh, this is a huge opportunity for him. And can I just say how coincidental it is, the last time the number two won in the Xfinity series was Tyler Reddick at Homestead. Maya Snyder, first time in the number two at Homestead, goes to victory lane with Tyler Reddick finishing second for a little bit anyway.
1: Until he didn't because ride heights and... We can, uh, we, we can dig into that before the end of the show, but I want to definitely take some time in this segment to shift gears and go to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series presented by Camping World at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, because we are going into the Spotter's Nightmare 200, or the Bucked Up 200, if you uh, want to refer to it by sponsorship purposes, but there are going to be two handfuls, Tom, of Camping World-sponsored trucks, ten drivers, all thanks to a sponsorship challenge that Marcus Lemonis put up on social media earlier this week that this guy, and I imagine you as well, am not. I'm not fond of this. I don't like this because it devalues the sponsorship efforts that other teams have put in doing it the right way. It's less money than it should be, and it just breaks the system even worse. Like, uh, I'll go through the list real quickly. Sheldon Creed, Jordan Anderson, Norm Benning, Grant Enfinger, Raphael Lessard, Jesse Awuji, B.J. McLeod, Dawson Cram, Tyler Hill, Parker Kligerman. That's a quarter of the field!
5: Yeah,
2: well, you uh, if I had my bell, you would have gotten about three dings because you went exactly where I was going to go with this. Um, on the one hand, it's great that all these teams get a little sponsorship money. On the other hand, though, the question becomes, I mean, Marcus didn't even hide it. He put it out there, what he was giving the teams. It's fifteen thousand for a full wrap. Now he adds 10 grand if you finish top ten, and he adds another 10 if you win. Okay, here's the question though, just purely from a financial standpoint, Can you take your truck and your team and drive out to Vegas, pay for your fuel, pay for your hotel, pay all the NASCAR fees, pay for the tires that you need to run for a win, pay for uh, the fuel and and whatever other costs there are on $15,000. And remember, it's a full wrap, which I interpret at least to mean that Marcus gets the entire truck. Now, the interesting thing for me is I believe the answer to that question is no. I don't think you can race for a win on $15,000. Um, and so then the question becomes, if I'm looking for a sponsor for a truck, Noah Lewis, um, I'm looking at this and I can't get any more than $15,000 now because Marcus has put it out on Twitter that that's what he's paying for a full- at least I believe exclusive wrap. And so as Jacob pointed out, he's basically effectively Noah put a cap on how much you can get for a race in the truck series. And it's probably great for him because he's getting all kinds of TV time for camping world. Um, but it's not good in my opinion for the series overall, because if you're trying to go out and take your truck and make it into a truck that could race for a win. I don't think you can do that on 15 grand. And so I'm really concerned about what he just did to the economics of the series.
3: Yeah, this is a this is certainly something to look further into. And you're right, Marcus is definitely happy. He's getting social media attention, TV coverage this weekend in his series that he sponsors, or in the NASCAR Truck Series that he he sponsors as the premier, as the premier partner. But you're right, uh, Tom, you know, what does this do? It, it's obviously short term better. These teams are taking on this challenge because it, they, they needed it. Uh, obviously they wouldn't be taking it if they had another sponsor that was allowing them more money this weekend. But long term, like you said, does this set the standard for a sponsor to go, Hey, but wait, earlier this season, you, you had a fully wrapped camping world truck. For this amount why are you ballparking me this you know so what can we do so it is, it is a scary process Seth I mean yeah short term like I said they're taking on this challenge because maybe they need the funding and this is the the top amount that they can find at this time or maybe it's the only thing that they can find at this time but yeah what does it do long term for the series when other investors are looking to put their name on a truck and then they're hit with a different number
9: well, I'll be a little bit of a contrarian in some senses, and the reason why I'm saying it: yes, it's fifteen thousand just for a wrap truck, twenty-five thousand for a uh, top ten, thirty-five thousand for a win, or fifty thousand for, or sorry, thirty-five thousand for a top five, fifty thousand for a win. However, both the deals with Sheldon Creed and Rafael Lassard were made before Marcus Lamellas made this challenge. So their deals might actually be more than what the challenge to the other eight are. And at least for uh, Parker Klingerman's truck, it's shared with uh, Food Country USA uh, that is the traditional sponsor of the number 75. So it's really, uh, I'd say, seven trucks that are full-blown Camping World trucks that don't have any other sponsors on them. So for me, it's just where some are done beforehand. Some are now being done since the challenge. And then you're also going to have at least one at Atlanta because Marcus Lemos has already said that he's in for being on board with Bill Lester's intent as he worded it to uh, make a return for the Atlanta truck race. Uh, Tom, like I said, I know I'm being a little bit of a contrarian here. Uh, but I know you have a thought.
2: Well, I mean, if, if I don't know that you're being a contrarian. I, I I think that if anything, you're exposing the fact that, you know, not everybody got the same thing out of Marcus, uh, which is kind of interesting if that's the case. Um, and all I'll say is if it's not an exclusive, in other words, if I can put all their sponsors on there, then it's not as bad. But, you know, he's basically said I'm getting full raps. On some of these trucks for a minimum 15K if they don't run top 10 or better. So, you know, it still, Jacob, devalues the overall uh, opportunities that other teams may have to get more sponsorship. So, um, I don't know. We'll have to watch this to see how it plays out, but I don't think 15,000 is enough to go run for a win against in the series, and especially when Kyle Bush is driving a truck.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And and that's the point right there. Kyle Busch is in this field. And to me, when Kyle Busch is in the field for a truck race, unless he blows up or drives off pit road and the wheels fall off, literally, you're running for second. And that's all there is to it. Uh, One of those moments where you just sit back and I, I just shake my head. I'm I, like, like you said, Tom, I'm really disappointed in how this has all shook out. I mean, it. I, I don't blame Marcus Lemonis per se for taking advantage of a broken system, but I will say that I blame. Uh, those who broke the system in the first place, and that's a little higher up the food chain at, at the sanctioning body level for uh, taking some sponsors that were associated with teams and making them sponsors of the series and the sport, and that's a whole other rabbit hole that we can uh, we can get down at another point. We're going to step aside be back with more Madness in a couple of minutes.
4: You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of 6 years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Miniki Car Care Center. Rev up your career.
1: Hi, this is Derek Crowe and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Seth Eggert still with you as we continue onward, getting closer to the checkered flag tonight, but not quite there yet. And before we talk about Las Vegas Motor Speedway race weekend this weekend, Tom Two IndyCar points that I I think deserve mention, one of which I know you really want to hit because it's a young driver who uh, is getting a second chance at the IndyCar series in Pietro Fittipaldi, who will run the oval races for Dale Coyne Racing with Rick Ware and uh, kind of partner alongside Roman Grosjean in that 51 car this season, including the Indianapolis 500. Big deal for him. He keeps his reserve driver role at Haas F1, but... I love this for Pietro. He uh, he was so brokenhearted that he couldn't run the 500 a couple years ago when he broke his legs in that sports car crash. So to see this for him, I feel like it's a case of things coming around, uh, back around rather, the way they need to for him, and it's really neat.
2: I agree, and I think this is not only big for Pietro, It's big for IndyCar because they get a Fittipaldi name back in the series, and I think that's a big, big deal for the series, and especially for the Indy 500, and uh, with his younger brother Enzo being downline in the Road to Indy Indy part of it uh, with Andretti this year, um, I think that again, I think the Fittipaldi name is, it's worldwide. It is a worldwide legendary name and brand, And I think those two young racers being a part of the overall Indy car picture in the Indy car series picture road to Indy picture is definitely, um, you know, a pretty big deal, Jacob. And I, and I think Pietro is going to be an equipment that could definitely run for a win here um, at Indy and also at, at, you know the other ovals uh, on the in, in the series. We've got a parrot Texas, and um, you know I just I think this is a great opportunity for the series with one of the legendary names in the sport. And since he didn't get the second seat at Haas, um, I think this is a great opportunity for him.
1: Seth, I'll turn to you with my other point, and that is that Will Power is in a contract year at Team Penske. He also believes this could be a rebound year for him after last year not going the way Will Power is used to things going in the IndyCar series. Do you believe that Will Power will bounce back this year and earn himself an extension at Penske? I
9: don't see why not. Uh, he There isn't anything out there that would indicate that he won't bounce back. Uh, granted, he does have a new teammate in Scott McLaughlin who's running full-time. Whether or not uh, any additional resources or uh, maybe a different kind of information coming from McLaughlin could uh, keep him from bouncing back completely. I mean, we've seen it in the past where uh, new drivers, new uh, crew chiefs, etc., cetera, uh, that sometimes make a team's comeback slightly delayed. Outside of that, I can't see uh, it being anywhere near Him not bouncing back, uh, the only only time will tell at this point.
1: I think the the biggest point that I have with the Penske IndyCar squad is that Scott McLaughlin is going to push those other three guys to get better and be better in a hurry. I don't think he is going to take long at all to adapt to those cars, and I think he is going to make an imprint very quickly on the IndyCar scene. That's just my two cents. All right, now, looking ahead towards this weekend at... Las Vegas Motor Speedway. It is a triple header. We get the Truck Series back, as we referenced in our last segment. Kyle Busch is in the field, so that gives us the opportunity to uh, play a little game that I feel like we normally get to play during the show before Kyle's first Truck race of the season. Tom, Noah, and then Seth. Percent chance that Kyle Busch will win Friday night's Truck race in his hometown. I'm going to say there
2: is a 50% chance, and no, I am not picking
1: him to win when we get to picks. Wow. Uh, d- d- okay, I'm shocked. Noah?
3: I know. I like that that optimism there. I'm going to say a, a solid 90% chance that Kyle gets the win in his home state in Las Vegas. Seth. So.
9: <laughs> Well, I think the percentage is just going to keep going up from the way this is going because I was going to say a 95% chance of him winning. The only way I see him not is if he has some sort of engine issue, uh, if the tires fall off like Jacob said, or we have a lap car have a tire cord in front of him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, Seth basically laid out the three scenarios, and I give about 1% for each of them happening. So I'm going to say 97% chance that Kyle Busch goes to victory lane. And I'll tip off my pick and go ahead and say yes, I do think Kyle Busch is going to win Friday night and leave it at that. However, when we get to the Xfinity Series race this weekend, it is far less Uh, predictable, I think, especially when you consider somebody like a Ty Dillon who's running this weekend that could easily uh, grab a surprise, I say surprise win, but a win maybe that is not expected by a series regular. I think the real question here is, can Austin Sindrick, who has been in the top five in every race this season and contended to win all of them, Tom, can Austin Sindrick keep this role going this weekend? Can he? Absolutely, 100%, but I'm not picking him either, so I'm all for
2: 2 when it comes to the word will versus the word could, because those are two very different things,
3: Noah. Oh, yes, he will, Tom. I'm have to. i have to, I'm thinking about my fantasy right now, which we'll get into a little later, I'm sure. But I've got to go with Sendrick this weekend because he's my safe pick. He'll keep me up to that top of the board, whether he finishes first or second or third. Uh, yeah, I think Austin Sendrick is a solid pick for uh, for this weekend, Seth.
9: I think he will keep the streak going as far as the top fives are concerned. But I'm not going with him for the win either.
1: Fair enough. I I, I will, uh, by the way, without tipping my hand on the Xfinity Series pick that I'm going to make, I will uh, make the point that I was looking up up some stats earlier today, and, and Seth, I'll put this one kind of in the wheelhouse of the oddball stats that you and I like to look up. All of Ford's manufacturer points, all 107 of them through the first three races of the season, have come courtesy of Austin Sendrick, who has been the highest finishing Ford in every race so far this year in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. I'm not going to say that Austin is single-handedly going to keep Ford in contention for the Manufacturer's Championship in Xfinity, but when there's only three full-time Ford drivers, Austin Sendrick, Riley Herbst, and uh, Ryan Sieg, I'm taken the 22 as the safe pick to be the highest finishing forward every single week and if the 98 or the 39 jumps up and surprises us well then they jump up and surprise us so uh uh, well well to be
9: fair about that cindrick was the only one to finish either on the lead lap or in the top 10 the first two of the three weeks ...because of other issues that both Sieg and Herbs ran into, whether it was Rex avoiding Rex at the end of a stage, or uh, other mechanical issues. So, I think if they are able to get their acts together, uh, they might be up there in contention on a traditional weekend...
1: All right, I, I'm going to kind of let us address some Cup Series thoughts in the picks, but we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and circle around to fantasy. Noah Lewis, you're the one that's kind of had the the numbers the last couple weeks. Do we have do we have standings here somewhere? Has Randy managed to supply us with numbers, or are we kind of flying blind here again?
3: Well, unfortunately, our, our very good Randy. Um, he does not have our numbers this weekend. I don't believe, unless Tom knows. Uh, but he, I know he's not in a home right now. When we ask for him, Tom, do you know anything more?
2: Well, if he, yeah, he, he has. He doesn't have numbers, but he has the uh, order. I believe that we're running. I yes, am actually win fantasy. Um, so I go last.
1: Huh. The,
2: the, he has. Uh, is Tom is first? Uh,
9: then Noah is second. Nick DeGru is third, I am fourth, Jacob, you are fifth, Ouch. then it's Randy Miller in sixth, Peter Strada in seventh, and Red in eighth.
1: All right, Noah, you have Peter's picks, so since he's behind me, that means Peter's picks get read off first.
3: Woohoo, anytime Peter's behind, uh, that's good for me. So <laughs> Peter's picks are, are this week in Kevin Harvick, which is a pretty interesting one to me, Noah Gregson, and John Hunter Nemechek.
1: All right, so it's my turn, and duh, Kyle Busch is going to win the truck race and hopefully help me earn a few points back after I've had not a very good couple of weeks to open the season. Uh, In Xfinity, I may not like his attitude, but I think he's going to be aggressive enough to get the job done, and he's going to get a hometown victory. I say Noah Gregson comes back with a vengeance and wins in the nine car on Saturday afternoon And I am not picking a Bush brother to win on Sunday just because I I have this funny feeling that something weird's going to happen before the end of the race. I say Denny Hamlin wins at Las Vegas in the cup race on Sunday. Seth?
9: Well, for me in trucks, I'm going Kyle Busch. Uh, It's hard not to pick him. Uh, For Xfinity, I'm actually going to go with Daniel Hemrick. Uh, I just have... Uh, feeling and looking at it through his stats at the track from when he was in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series, for that matter. He usually ran well there. And for the Cup Series, I'm going with Alex Bowman. At least recently, uh, he's been quietly under the radar, running well, running top five, top ten, uh, whether it's on a one-and-a-half-mile track, a road course, a super speedway, as long as he doesn't get caught up in anything else. So I... I think he might be able to uh, be someone who goes under the radar.
1: All right. Noah.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with Joey Logano winning the race this weekend in the Cup Series. Uh, Austin Sendrick will be my guy for the Xfinity Series. And Kyle Busch, got to go with him for the Truck Series. Look, Sendrick and Busch in both of those two series there, Um You know, to beat Tom, you know, I'm ahead of Peter. That's what really matters here. But to beat Tom, I got to go with some safe picks. I think those are safe and good picks, Tom. And something I've noticed so far, I don't know your picks yet, but we haven't gone for any out of the blue winners in the Cup Series like we've seen. Um, Are you going that route, Tom, or are you you going to someone we know more?
1: Now, hang on a minute. I just want to make the point here, by the way, that I contest these numbers because there's no way that Tom should be leading. He was as bad (laughs) as I was for a lot of the year last year. Just saying. This is 2021. It's a new
2: year, and I'm (laughs) leading right now. And uh, I'll get to my cup pick in a minute. But uh, in the truck series, y'all are taking Kyle Busch, and you're really disrespecting the rest of this truck series field this is not 2017 anymore it's 2021 and ben rhodes is going to hit the triple by kicking kyle bush's ass on friday night <laughs> wow and okay. he's gonna win the truck series race um and keep it going and that's that's how that's gonna work now on saturday Y- y'all are talking about Noah Gregson and some of the other hometown guys. There's another driver from out in that region who would love to get his first Xfinity Series win. And I believe on Saturday he's going to do it. Riley Herbst gets the win in the Xfinity Series race. And on Sunday, so this this Cup Series race is always an interesting first in, in the spring race at Vegas, but I'm going the two inch limb here. Joey Logano is going to get the win on Sunday. Those are safe picks and I'm going to still be leading when we're done.
1: All right. So I, I will add that I thought about take, I, I, I thought about taking a Penske driver, but my logic would have been that I would have picked Brad Keselowski because he's the only Penske car that does not have Penzoil on the side of it going into Sunday and, and would have reversed logic to that into a win somehow but uh, i just i i i think it's going to be a toyota this week i really do so uh seth you got about 20 seconds
9: i will say uh, riley herbs will also have a hometown sponsor south point uh, casino will be on the car for him so maybe all of that hometown magic will work out
1: thank you brendan gone by the way for your continued support of nascar we'll take our final break be back to wrap it up after this
5: Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental US. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer that fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at VictoryCustomTrailers.com.
0: Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for Rad, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety.
7: Hi, this is Chandler Smith, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the
8: show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by my computer career, Jacob Seelman, Seth Egert, Noah Lewis, Tom Baker still with you. This is our final segment, and I'll go back around the table to the guys one more time. Final thoughts, Tom, you're first. What do you got?
2: I will say for my final thought real quick that I love these triple headers at tracks like Vegas because it produces great racing in all three divisions and you get a Friday night race thrown in for the truck series on a track that really does produce some of the best racing we'll see all year. So again, uh, Noah, I think this weekend could be one of the more exciting weekends of the, at least the first half of the NASCAR season and I can't wait to get it started
3: yeah you're you're exactly right i thought we were gonna find some normalcy last weekend we didn't and i'm excited to see what happens this weekend i mean we've seen all these array of new winners or or new faces and new places uh william Byron at the front winning races uh, i'm i'm extremely excited seth because i have no clue i thought homestead was going to be our reset back to normal and it hasn't been
9: I didn't think Homestead was going to be our reset. I honestly thought it was going to be either Vegas or Atlanta. That being said, uh, I think we're still going to have a lot of first-time winners. So it should be an interesting season.
1: I think it will be. It's going to be fun to keep an eye on, but as it is, we are basically out of time for this edition of Motorsports Madness. Thanks to everybody for tuning in and to the guys for coming back around the round table. For Tom, Noah, and Seth, I'm Jacob Seelman. Keep it off the wall, and we'll see you next time here on the Madness, folks. Till we meet again.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Training for a better life.